This podcast is brought to you by BrunerAcademy.com, your online resource for the best public speaking, presentation, storytelling skills courses. Become a rock star communicator in any setting. Visit BrunerAcademy.com. Gymnast Simone Biles voluntarily sat out several events at the Tokyo Olympics. Tennis star Naomi Osaka withdrew from the French Open. An NBA forward with the Cleveland Cavaliers, Kevin Love, once took himself out of a game. Each of these professional athletes did so to prioritize their personal well-being and mental health and have now opened up about their battles with the hope of breaking down the stigma. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz, and May is Mental Health Awareness Month in the United States. And I am truly honored today to be joined by Dr. Felicia Speed. Felicia, welcome to my podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's such an honor. Felicia has a lot of experience in this topic of mental health. She is the Vice President of Social Work Services for Fresenius Medical Care. Felicia, I'm curious, why did you want to get into the mental health profession to begin with? I decided that this is where I needed to be because after I lost three family members within a matter of six months to suicide, then I knew that this was something that I want to be able to touch other people. So if I can help save three lives with the three lives that were lost, then I know that my work is not in vain. That is why I continue every opportunity I get to talk about the importance of of mental health, because I believe it is a silent killer. And Felicia, you know firsthand that just like cancer, diabetes, or other physical health issues, psychological health problems can happen to anyone at any time. And it's so important to remember that. Given what we've all been through over the past couple of years, mental health continues to be a headline. Can you put this into context for us? I believe that it's becoming more evident that the mental health and mental well-being of individuals has moved to the forefront because I believe during the pandemic, we had time to pause. We had a lot of distractions, but at the same time, we were very isolated. So things that people did naturally to cope, whether it was to go to the bar, to go to the park to, you know, go to a movie, couldn't go to the movies, couldn't go to a concert. Things that people naturally did, whether they realize it or not, they use those things to be able to manage the stressors that they were up under. All of those things were so quickly just taken away. Mm. And so they had to face those symptoms that they had been having. They could no longer mask them or ignore them. They had to say, wait a minute, there's something going on here and acknowledge the stress that they were having. And I am so grateful. I hate, I hate that the pandemic happened, but I am grateful that it, it moved mental health to the forefront. Because even from a corporate perspective, we are now focusing more on a person's and our employees on their well-being from a holistic perspective and not just how they're doing physically and can they show up. Mm-hmm. Because too many people have been showing up and they're, they're with us but they're not present. Mm. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, nearly one in five Americans are suffering from some kind of a mental health condition. That's 44 million people. And it really doesn't matter how much fame or fortune you may have. 
And certainly that was evident recently when we learned of Naomi Judd's passing. And it doesn't make someone immune to depression. And there is still so much stigma around mental health. Why is that, Felicia? I've done a lot of research and just looked at various um, ethnicities, various cultures. And what I've found, oftentimes families don't want the stigma of saying that something's wrong with me mentally. And if we have these expectations from our family and expectations from our community that we are to be strong and we're to be, you know, fortified and be able to handle anything that comes our way. And so people typically begin to see mental illness as a weakness Mm -hmm. and not an illness. They don't want to equate it with diabetes and cancer and hypertension. And that is one of the main reasons I became even a mental health first aid instructor is because I want to tear down those walls that we have that separates mental illness from physical illness, Mm -hmm. because it all should be in the same spectrum. And they often overlap across the lines. I think sometimes people may fear saying, I I don't feel okay. And and sometimes it's okay not to feel okay. But when do you know, Felicia, that feeling not okay is not okay, and that you may need to seek help? If you have been having these experiences for two weeks or greater, because we know we're going to have a day where somebody's going to get on my nerves or I'm going to feel overwhelmed because <laughs> I just got my bills and I just got paid and I still have no money. So we're going to feel some depression from that. It's an ebb and flow. That means the next day I'm okay. But if you stay stuck in that space mm-hmm. and you can't seem to find your way out of it, I always um, say, you know, it's kind of like if, if you kind of just dive into the water and then I get out of it, I felt the weight of the water, but I'm able to get out. But when I'm having to walk through the water and I can't seem to move from the next day to the next because I feel this weight and it's, I feel the fatigue and I feel the helplessness, that's when you say, okay, you know, I think I need some help with this. Are there other specific signs and symptoms? Because th- that what you just gave us is pretty specific. Are there other signs and symptoms that we should notice in ourselves or even in our friends and our loved ones that we may say, hey, wait a minute, something's going on here? Yes, absolutely. If you notice that someone is isolating themselves more, where they typically will answer the phone, you're finding that they're not answering the phone. They're declining gatherings and family activities. When you're having conversations with them, you want to make sure that you're checking in with some more more than once. Because the amazing thing about depression specifically is that you can mask it for a couple of hours right? You can smile with it. And so it's not just looking for people that are sad. That's not actually what depression looks like. I can smile and still be sad. You want to listen to what they're saying and you want to really tap into what is their behavior? What are you noticing that's different? Are they more irritable than usual? Are they angry? When they're talking about the future, do they talk about the future? Or when they do, it's very dismal. Mm -hmm. It's very dark. They They don't have any expectations of anything being good. Or if you're noticing that they keep saying they're having chest pain or they're short of breath, but they've been going to the doctor and they can't find anything wrong with their heart, oftentimes that's anxiety. Mm -hmm. And when you see that going on for long periods of time, for more than two weeks, then you say, okay, yes, I need to make sure my, my loved one gets the help that they need. At Fresenius Medical Center, which provides kidney dialysis services around the world, You've been involved in dialysis for more than 20 years now and are in charge of more than 1,900 social workers. That's quite a challenge. 
As healthcare workers, they too are not immune to mental health challenges. We've been hearing about this particularly through the pandemic. What have you observed from your mental health social workers during this challenging time that we've all faced in recent years? What I've noticed most is you have people that have learned to tap into their resiliency and they were able to tap into it for 2020. That's when we got all the hero songs and all the frontline and we're here for you. 2021, the people went away, but the, the healthcare workers were still going strong. So they didn't have those cheerleaders as strong as they did in 2020. So what I saw was that there was a shift from the anxiety to compassion fatigue. Mm. And again, I always say compassion fatigue, you first had to have had compassion and they did. And now they're walking around like zombies. Like they're walking mm. around, they're, they're here, but they're not present. They're tired. Um, so we're starting to see more people quit, more people resign more people looking for jobs that they don't have to work with people. And you're starting to see a lot of burnout mm-hmm. and exhaustion. And we've had to respond to that. We've had to make some real decisions on what are the hours we're asking people to work? Are we ensuring that they're taking their PTO? Because of shortages, people feel like they can't take PTO and not take care of themselves. Yeah. And so what I've seen most with our healthcare workers is that now in 2022, they're tired. They're exhausted. And they're used to fixing things, right? They're used to yes. like solutions and solving problems and, I'm like, and getting I'm, people I, well. I'm supposed to fix this and, and you can't fix COVID. Why? Because it keeps changing. Exactly. There's, there's so many variances. <laughs> they can't fix it. They feel like they can't help their patients. And then right. they come home. I can't help my family members. They're getting COVID. No matter what we do, people are still getting it. And so that creates an issue, a big issue. It yes. sure does. I recently heard you speak on the topic of chronic stress mode. It's not just fight or flight. You've added the third component of freeze. The thing is, is that oftentimes when we're stressed out, yes, we think we're going to go and lift a car, you know, and for our healthcare workers, they're going in, they, you know, when someone codes, they run in with, with the crash cart and they're doing what they need to do. And so many of us was working in a fight or flight, but the freeze is when you are paralyzed by the stress where you feel stuck. Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to run or if I'm supposed to fight because my brain, I have a a true amygdala hijack and I can't think of what to do next. Mm. And that creates even more fear when we as people who think we always know what to do next. And so they just say stuck in this place. And that creates the same amount of stress as it would for a fight or flight. What can people do to get help, Felicia? Where can they turn? If you're working, check in with your company, wherever you're working, check to see what type of employee services that they have. Oftentimes they allow you to have so many free sessions so that you can get that counseling, at least start that conversation. Check with your insurance, check with the health insurance that you have. Find out what type of co-pays you have to have. And now what is amazing that we did not have, and we learned a lot from the pandemic, there's telehealth. So you don't even have to drive anywhere. (laughs) You can actually just pull up your phone and talk to a person that can help you right there on the spot. Mm -hmm. That's what I encourage more than anything. Don't think you got to go and sit on the couch or lay on the couch. You can actually lay on your own couch at the house and talk to someone. And don't think that you're going in to be diagnosed. You're not going in looking for a diagnosis. You're going in looking for an ear. You want someone to be able to listen 
and to provide you guidance. Mm, Such beautiful words. And you talked about self-care a moment ago and compassion. One of the exercises you recommend is that grounding technique, which you don't even need to call anybody in telehealth for. You can do this on your own. What is it and how does it help us, Felicia? Oh, gosh, it's one of my favorites. The grounding exercise really helps if you're around someone who's anxious or if you're anxious yourself. And what it does, it allows you to breathe and become present in the moment that you're in. So basically, if I was to do it with you, Miss Beautiful Liz, (laughs) if I just said, you know, what are the five things that you see? Okay, I see you in the monitor. That's one. Mm -hmm. I see Dan, my digital producer, who's next to me. I see the microphone that is in front of me. I see the soundboard. And I see our computer set up. So that's five things that I'm seeing right this very moment. Okay. And what four things can you touch? I can touch my microphone. I can touch my shoulder or my knee. Mm -hmm. I can touch the table (laughs) that is here. And I can touch the piece of paper that I'm holding that have my questions that I thought about ahead of time of what I wanted to talk to you about today. Okay. And can you share with me the three things that you smell? Mm. Well, we just had lunch, so I'm smelling two things, a turkey sandwich for Dan and a chicken (laughs) salad sandwich for me. Mm -hmm. I am smelling, well, we're in a room there are flowers, believe it or not, outside of the room that we're in, and I feel like there's, they're wafting in a little bit there. And I smell my um, hairspray. Mm, okay. And two things that you hear. Your beautiful voice in my ears and in my headphones. <laughs> and I hear a bit of a hum in the room that we're in from either the heating or air conditioning system. Okay. And one thing you can taste. Well, definitely my delicious chicken salad sandwich that I had just before we came on. And I always, and I always ask that one last because I'm like, if you're tasting several things in your mouth, I'm concerned. How does this help us just get to be present? What it does, it, it really just allows you to, because what happens if your mind is running and you're panicking and all you're thinking about is I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And you're thinking about all the random thoughts. Amazingly enough, we have, we can have several thoughts at the same time. They're like hamsters on little wheels. So what I did is I took those hamsters off the wheel that you can only think of the questions that I'm asking you. Mm, And then you became present of where you were at that moment. So while you were talking, I was talking myself through it as well because I get nervous when I'm on these things. So I I saw my screen, I saw my lamp, I saw my candle and I could smell my candle. And those things brought me back into this place. It grounded me Mm. because once you are grounded, then you can begin to make decisions. Yes. It pulls you out of that amygdala hijack and you said, okay, now what decisions do I need to make to move forward? Mm-hmm. It pulls you out of that helpless state. It reminds you that you're human. It reminds you that you have all these senses and that way you can make a decision. In many respects, what you're talking about too is being mindful, being present and being fully in the moment and disconnecting, if you will, from everything else that's going on. So Felicia, for you, how do you disconnect? How do you unplug? How do you recharge? Oh, it's one of my favorite things. You would think it would be really deep and philosophical, but it is not. I literally just go outside. (laughs) I do too. (laughs) So I get it. (laughs) I go outside without my phone, which is sometimes difficult to do. 
And I allow myself just to sit in my chair and I look around and I begin to acknowledge all the things that I'm grateful for. And it could just be watching the kids play. I'm grateful for these little children playing in the yard. Whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. I allow myself to think of things that I'm grateful for. And that grounds me out of, it pulls me out of that place of everything that's going wrong with the world, with my family, with myself. And it pulls me into this place of gratefulness. I think gratitude is so powerful when we really tap into it and look around and realize, you know what, there's always something. There's always at least one thing we can be grateful for every single day. Every day. And so I spend a lot of time in helping people get to that place of finding the gratitude. I always say, hey, it's the gratitude, it's the attitude of the gratitude is really allowing yourself, because you can't really complain and be grateful at the same time. You have to make a choice Mm -hmm. (laughs) in doing so. And you have to be able to be willing to do it intentionally. And if you do it every day, it causes you to have to think of new things to be grateful for, because you get tired of saying the same thing every single time. At some point, you're going to get tired (laughs) of saying, I'm grateful for my family. How many times we have to hear that? So I usually (laughs) break it down and I'll say, you're not grateful for all of your family. Can you tell me which family members you're grateful for? (laughs) Because some of them are getting on your nerves. So Um, tell me which ones are you really grateful for today? (laughs) Part of that work that you're talking about is really what you're already doing, but you're kind of preparing yourself for your next chapter as a life coach and also a podcast host. You recently started your show called The Light of Speed. Beautiful, beautiful. What are you sharing with your audience besides the topic of gratitude, I'm going to guess? Yes, I really try to encourage my guests to tap into their authenticity. And I really just look for ways to shed light on what connects us, what makes us human. What are the things that regardless of our ethnic background, our culture, our gender preference, all the things that whether you want to take the vaccine or not, all these different things that we do to separate ourselves, what are the things that keep us together and connected. And there's things like laughter. Mm -hmm. So I have an episode about laughter. I have an episode about just time and the importance of time. And so I keep them very short because I want people, like if you're just walking, if you're just running into the grocery store, you can listen to it. And I want to be a part of your 15 minutes of unplugging if possible, Mm -hmm. where you can just listen to something to encourage. So mostly I just want to encourage people because I think that's my gift. My gift is the lift to lift people. So hopefully that's what it does. Well, you are an absolute light in this world. And folks, (laughs) if you'd like to learn more about Felicia's work, her podcast, you can go to thelightofspeed.com. That's her website, thelightofspeed.com. Felicia, thanks so much for joining me today and really helping all of us realize that whether it's depression, anxiety, or any other type of mental health issues, it does not make us weak. It makes us human. Yes, absolutely. And thanks to all of you who are finding the courage and true strength to reach out for help. We are going to include a few links to various organizations that you can connect with in our show notes if you're looking for resources on any type of mental health issue. Again, Felicia, thank you so much. And until next time, I truly mean it when I say, be well in every single way. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out Fast Twitch Media 
space.